The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'm burn out. Hi, y'all. Welcome back to the podcast. Or if you're new here, hello. My name is Kinsey, and I am the host of the I Love You So Much podcast. Today, we have Mari from The Pursuit of Wellness on. We recorded a nice little podcast swap. This episode is for you if you're looking to like transform your life, okay? Mari obviously has a very famous, very popular like physical transformation. But what I really wanted to talk to her about was more of her like emotional and spiritual like journey and transformation. She has quite the story. We're getting into like childhood trauma, transforming your life, just like deeper emotional issues. We really go there in this episode. I think you guys are going to love it. But before we get into the episode, just wanted to mention a few things. First off, I'm moving. So if you guys have any interest in where I'm moving, the house, whatever, it's all on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Kinsey Elizabeth. Second, um, live shows are happening. The national one's happening this week. It's sold out, but we do have our Chicago one March 27th with Lauren Elizabeth. Tickets are still available. So I will have that in the show notes. If you guys are around, I would love to see you. And last, we have a nice little breadwinning housewife restock. So we restocked our original Navy set in the pink crew. I got so many DMs from y'all begging me to restock this Navy set. And honestly, I even put in another order for myself. I have like four or five of them, but I was like, you know, you can just never have enough. I'm so afraid that one day I'm going to like run out of these sets and it's going to be like five years from now and I won't have them anymore. So I got another one. Um, I love them. By the way, for my sets, I wear a size large in bottoms. I would say I'm probably a medium in the bottoms, but I'd like a little oversized, like really loose rolled up sweat. So like I like to size up in them. And then I have pretty much every single crew in every single size. Personally, I like a nice little extra large for sizing references. They're the best. They're so cute. They're so comfortable. Breadwinning Housewife has um, really, it's really taken the world by storm, some might say. So I will have that in the show notes. Oh, also you guys can watch this on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let's do a little giveaway for our YouTube subscribers. So if y'all are listening or watching this, comment on the YouTube video and subscribe. Comment. Let's think about this. Comment breadwinning housewife. I know that's crazy. It's really shocking and really creative and original. Um, Comment breadwinning housewife on our latest YouTube video and subscribe. And I will be sending one of y'all a pink breadwinning housewife crew. Anyways, without further ado, let's welcome Mari on to the show. Hello. Hi. I'm really excited to have you on today. We're going to be talking all about life transformation. And I figured, who better than you? I am the transformation <laughs> girl. Everyone comes to me for that. I'm ready. Everyone on this podcast or who listens to this podcast loves like routines, wellness, transformation, self-development, just a lot of like navigating your 20s. So can you give us a little bit of backstory on your life transformation? Yes. So in my 20s, I feel like I've experienced a lot thus far. My early 20s were kind of like, I always say the best time of my life and the worst because I was partying my ass off. Like I was having a great time. I was making friends. I was in college, Greek life. I was living in the house. I was going to every social occasion I could. I was extremely spontaneous, not a long-term thinker. Like I, for example, my 21st birthday, 
I was like, I want to go to the Hamptons. So we drove to the Hamptons with no plan, nowhere to stay, <laughs> no like what? Like who does that? What did you end up doing? Sat on a beach until we were approached by a football team. Genius. And they were like, by the way, I am married now. So Greg, I hope you're not listening. <laughs> approached by a football team and they were like, Oh, we have a mansion. Do you want to come stay there? And we were like, Yes. <laughs> We what? We just stayed at this person's house. We didn't even know who this was. Yeah. So that was a common thing for me to do. And it got a little bit dark at some point. It, it got in a weird place where I was using alcohol as a coping mechanism and kind of like realizing that I actually had a lot of pain that I was using partying, drinking, all of these different things to fill a void. So in, I want to say sophomore, junior year of college, everything really came to a head for me where my mental health issues were kind of coming to the surface. So I was blacking out all the time, having freakouts. I had my first experience with self-harm. So anyone listening, like trigger warning, you know, self-harm was happening for me. And I ended up going to a psychologist. And around this time, I had been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And she immediately put me on a number of medications. So I was on an antidepressant, an anti-anxiety, an antipsychotic. And by no means am I against these medications. I do think they can be useful as short-term tools. But to be put on that amount with no understanding of what that would mean for me or the fact that I couldn't drink or the fact that it would completely change my, my life, I had no idea. So I continued drinking on these medications and then things really spiraled out of control. I feel like I'm on a long tangent no, right now. No, keep going. You're good. Okay. So that was my low, low point. And it, things just got worse. You know, my apartment was a wreck. Greg and I, who's my now husband, we had broken up at this point because I was really incapable of taking care of even myself. I was failing every class. I had no friends. It was bad. And I really had, the way I describe that time in my life is it was kind of like a psychosis because I had no grip on reality at all. Like I wasn't really aware of what was going on. And eventually I decided to drop out of school. I was a semester away from graduating. I moved home with my dad and decided to cold turkey come off medication, which for anyone who's done that knows it's brutal. It's like a detox you have to go through and you're not fully yourself for months and months and months and months. So I went through some weird phases, which I found out now are pretty common when you come off medication. Yeah. I went through a month of shoplifting, which if you know me is so unlike me. I've never been into shoplifting. I don't even like, I don't break any rules. And I suddenly was shoplifting. Yeah. So that was like, from like zero to hundred. What? Yeah. Like, and now I look back and I'm like, what was I doing? But I found out that detoxing from meds like that, you can have sort of like compulsive tendencies like that. So anyway, coming out of this super rough period of my life, I found fitness because I wanted to find something I could control and say, okay, nothing's in my control right now. I don't have a job. I don't even have a degree. I need to get something under my control and move the right way. So it literally just started with walks every day, which ultimately turned into me going to the gym and falling in love with weightlifting and then tweaking my diet, having oatmeal instead of a muffin every day and kind of cleaning things up, getting some protein in. And basically, I dedicated my life for nine months to this fitness journey, which in my head, I think, as we said at the beginning, a lot of people associate me with like the weight loss. For me, that journey was more so just a mental transformation. Like I wanted to become 
a capable, strong individual because before that I would fall apart at the smallest thing. When I, when I didn't have alcohol, I just fell apart. This is what I wanted to talk to you about because I do think everyone views you as just fitness, mm. but it's very clear that it's so many different elements in your life. I want to talk a little bit about BPD. Did you even know what it was before getting diagnosed with it? No. I only found out about it. I read a book, Stop Walking in Eggshells, <gasps> and that changed my life. My therapist told me to read it. I know the book. Yeah, it's so good. And I have like mental health running like rampant through my family. I'm diagnosed with multiple things. Like it's just like a very big thing in my family. And reading that opened my eyes to so many things because I wasn't even familiar with BPD. I was more familiar with bipolar disorder or anxiety or depression. Yeah. So what were some like key elements that you found that were very true, like BPD, like symptoms? Good, good question. And I think it's so important that we talk about it because borderline personality disorder, even in the name, is so intimidating yeah. sounding. So when I was diagnosed, I didn't tell anyone. I actually thought I wouldn't tell anyone to this day because I felt like it was embarrassing. Some of the key symptoms I had, major issues being alone, like could not stand it to the point where being alone in my dorm room, I would do anything to fix that. What party can I go to? To the point where I would even shower with my friends in the room. Like it was, it was a strange amount of pain that I would feel when I was by myself. Identity issues, like core fundamental who am I identity issues kind of throughout my teenage years into my 20s finding myself being a chameleon to whoever I was with what situation I was in what mood were people around me in I I wasn't my own person because I wanted to morph into whoever the person I was with wanted me to be mm -hmm. self-harm is a telltale sign of BPD a lot of people struggle with self-harm that have BPD which is super unfortunate suicidal thoughts and super turbulent issues with people I was really close with were the people that I had the most ups and downs with, if that makes sense. The way they described it in the book too, which was interesting to me, was talking about like the closest people to you. Like one day they were the best person in the entire world. The next it was the absolute worst. Yes. And it was just very, that book, I cannot recommend enough to anyone and everyone, even if it was just so helpful to me as someone who doesn't even have BPD, but just like dealing with, you know, people around me in general, it was just, and like my own stuff, like it was honestly the most helpful book I think I maybe have ever read. Okay, so I need to read it then because my parents read it because yeah. of me and I saw it around my house all the time, but I actually never read the full book. It's funny because my, I've been with my therapist for three years now, in the first session I went to, she recommended that book to me. Mm. And she was like, you really need to read this. And then about a year and a half later, like some really bad things had happened. And she was like, and the background on me is that I read like two books a week. Like I am such a reader. Someone tells me to read something. I will read it. Like I love reading. So it was weird that I put off reading this book for so long and I read it and it was single-handedly the best and most helpful book I've ever read in my life. Do you feel like you put off reading it because it was yes. confronting some issues? Yeah, I think I just, it wasn't a thing of like, oh, I don't want to believe something or whatever. It was, I was very well aware. I think it was just more like an escape of like, I don't want to like sit here and think about it. I'm already in therapy once a week yeah. talking about it, you know, but yeah. it was very helpful. You talked a lot about like identity issues in your teen years and until like college. How did you like come to a better place identity wise? That has been a kind of an evolving journey for me since that time. 
it's something I've really focused on, I would say, in the past couple of years. Obviously, my fitness journey was the beginning of that. It was the first time I ever like took my life into my own hands and said, I am responsible for me. I'm responsible for all these issues that I have. I'm going to fix it. Keeping my own promises every day, showing up for myself every day. That's how you start to form some confidence in yourself and start to get those like feelings of core identity, I would say. And then exploring even more, you know, I do therapy also twice a week and that's where I discuss all these issues and then starting our business and hiring people. Like this is when having a core identity and having that confidence is really important. So I definitely found a lot of identity through fitness, through my job, my business, my purpose, helping other women. But in the past couple of years, I kind of looked at my life and I was like, wait, what do I do for fun? I don't even know. Like, I don't even know what I enjoy doing because I've become so hyper-focused on this career that I have. What are my hobbies? So I started exploring, you know, different forms of exercise. Like I tried Pilates or I was trying hiking. I was trying all these different things and tapping into kind of that inner child work. I was like, well, what's something I loved when I was younger? Horseback riding and animals in general. And I want to talk to you about this because mm-hmm. like, you said it in your recent vlog. I went back to horseback riding. And as a 28-year-old, I sucked. Like all the other little kids were there <laughs> galloping around, like doing their big jumps. And I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. But I've gotten back into it. I think I've been doing it for five months now. And I spend every weekend at the barn. I've never been happier. It feels so true to who I am. And I would, I think you know when you're doing it for you, when... It doesn't even benefit anyone around me. It doesn't benefit my career. No one cares if I'm doing it or not. It's just for me. So yeah, I'm kind of chipping away at like finding who I really am. And, you know, yes, I have BPD, but also I think in our 20s, a lot of people are still chipping away at who they really are. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. There are so many new things that I've learned about myself in life. Sometimes I've had to learn it the hard way. Other times I've learned it in therapy. And let me tell you, learning it in therapy is a lot better, okay? I would say the most glaring thing that I have learned about myself in the past couple of years that we've talked about on the podcast so many times is how much I hate uncertainty, which unfortunately is like the entire decade of your 20s. And therapy is really what helped me get more of like a grip on life and myself and get to know myself. Getting to know yourself is obviously a lifelong process, especially just because we're always growing and changing. And therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding. Because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things, which has honestly been the entire story of my life. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. I have benefited immensely from therapy. I've been able to identify emotions and like what I'm actually feeling. I've been able to identify the root causes. I've been able to heal from a lot of trauma and a lot of just like childhood things. And honestly, even just everyday stuff, therapy has helped me so much. And if y'all are thinking of starting therapy, I really cannot recommend it enough and I cannot recommend better help enough. It is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. BetterHelp is amazing because it makes therapy just a lot more accessible and a lot more affordable. Sometimes even just finding a therapist in your area that specializes in what you want can take 
so long. And BetterHelp just gives you a brief questionnaire and they match you with your therapist. Also, something about not having to wait in a waiting room and drive there. You save time. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. Like really, BetterHelp is it. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Kinsey today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Kinsey. I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from addiction almost nine years ago, I have been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life. And I'm sharing everything with you from how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures. I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with the industry's top experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Another thing about me is that I'm always going to have a ruggable ad. And let me tell you a little something about how I've been spending my days lately. I'm moving into a bigger house, which is awesome um, until you realize that you have to move and buy a billion rugs. And that can just be really overwhelming. And like something about rugs before finding ruggable, I don't know, just like stress me out because I have dogs. I host a lot. I always get them dirty. I didn't want to spend like a million dollars on a rug that I know I'm going to end up having to throw away and replace because I have like kids in my house. I have my friends in my house. I have myself in my house, honestly. And most mainly, I have dogs. So my rugs, I was spending so much money on them before, and they were just going to waste because I just couldn't clean them at the end of the day. And that is why Ruggable is truly my best friend. I have also had Ruggable rugs, by the way, in my homes in the past three houses of mine. And I bought this all with my own money, and this is prior to me working with them. I am a real Ruggable fan. I even just gave a friend in real life my code this week. Ruggable makes machine washable, non-slip and stain resistant area rugs, runners, doormats, and bath mats. The rugs are designed to withstand whatever life throws at them, dirt, dust, spills, and even pet accidents. Ruggable's patented rug system comes in two pieces, a lightweight rug cover and a non-slip rug pad. It is super easy to detach and reattach whenever you want to clean it. The rug covers are also interchangeable. You can easily change your rug cover to give your space a refresh for any season or holiday. I'm actually currently doing this with my new vibe, my new home, you know? The washability is amazing. And that is, I mean, that is the number one thing. Rugs get pricey. You don't want to waste your money on a rug that's not going to last you and that's just going to get dirty and you can't even wash it. You guys need Ruggable. I'm telling you, it will change your life. They're also so easy to clean. And something about having your rugs clean just gives like a really nice refresh to the house. You don't have to like live in fear constantly. I feel like when everyone's over at my house, I'm always like, I swear to God, if you spill that on my rug, like we're never gonna be friends again. You know what I mean? A ruggable, honestly, not only are they saving my life with the rugs, but they're saving my friendships as well. So visit ruggable.com and use code I love you at checkout for 10% off your purchase. Again, that is code I love you for 10% off your order on ruggable.com. There's this book called The Defining Decade. And have you read it? No, I need to it's, write it down. It's really good. And they talk about identity capital. And I went through a very low space a couple of years ago where I was like, I have no idea who I am. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like really just the lowest of the low identity wise, I would say. And I started to think about it. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And I feel like identity to me was like a way bigger. I It was really big in my head and this huge, almost like a huge thing I had to like tackle. Mm. They had this example and they, I think they call it identity capital, but it was like, basically you are one person and then your identity, like it's like your hobbies, the things you like, like 
the people around you, just like so many things that are built up into one thing. It's not just one almost like big purpose. It's like different hobbies and different interests and actually exploring that. And for so long, I was only doing things that were like going to benefit my career and I wouldn't do things that I just like to do. Like I got back into reading. I started riding horses again. Like I started doing so many things and hobbies that I actually enjoyed. And over time, that fear that I had or almost this like existential doom that I was feeling of like, I have no idea who I am, just slowly went away because I was like building the smaller things. So it was helpful for me to not almost weirdly, like not look at it big picture and just take it one day at a time. And also like, I feel like we're always going to be building identity. It's not something that you just like wake up one day and know. Yeah. But it was really, really hard. And I ever feel like everyone feels this at any age, but especially in your 20s. 100%. Also, great thing you said. It's about the little pieces coming together. And it's okay for things to coexist. Because I struggled with that concept when I first started this identity journey. I can like riding horses and being present and calm, but also be a business boss at the same time. Yes. I think having those two things at once made me feel like, wait, which one am I? I have to pick one. You don't. You can be both. I love the concept of being both. And I also love people who their life path almost would like traditionally contradict itself. You know, like exactly what you just said. I don't know. I think the people who I find to be the coolest and the people that I admire the most are people who are one, like so comfortable with themselves to make everyone else around them more comfortable. And then two, like they never hold themselves back based on maybe like a societal standard or a societal norm, like allowing yourself and giving yourself the freedom to like do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But I think that is so cool. I love that. Isn't your brand called Breadwinning House? So that is kind of where that happens. I keep thinking about that. Yeah, so it's not, it's just like stuff that we did on merch. It was like 2020 and I... It was like I hadn't left my house in months. It was the pandemic. And I was joking to someone one day. I'm like, I basically become a breadwinning housewife. Like I'm gardening, I'm cooking, I'm doing everything that's like super domestic that I ended up loving. Who knew? And but I was like, but I'm still like working in like a breadwinner. And so I said it as a joke and then it just kind of like picked up from there. But that is a good example. That's the whole point of that. Yeah. I feel like people miss it sometimes. I love that. But it's fun. You know, I love that. Yeah. Okay. let's talk about the emotional aspect of transformation, emotional, spiritual, mental, whatever you want to call it, healing your inner child. Like what was some of the work that you needed to do to get to a better space? I feel like I'm still doing it. Like all of this stuff is an evolving journey. I don't ever really feel like I'm at the end of it, but I'm definitely so far, so much further along than I could have ever have imagined. I think for me, I grew up super shy, super unsure of myself, really reserved, I grew up in the UK and the culture in general in the UK is super different and no disrespect to the UK. Obviously, I love it. You know, it's my home. But as kids, it's kind of like speak when you're spoken to. Don't act too confident because that's rude. There's a different like set of values there. So when I moved to the US, I was 10 years old in fifth grade. And I remember the kids were all super loud and themselves and they were goofy. And I was like, oh, this is different. Like I couldn't be this way in my school. And I think it took me a really long time to feel confident in my voice and being okay with like showing up as the best version of me. Because in the UK, I kind of felt like, I don't know, I had to be small. And even in my household, it wasn't a particularly, I don't know, I had an interesting household. It was a lot of emotions, a lot of tension, a lot of arguing. 
and not a lot of like real mature conversation. So like maybe emotionally explosive. Yes, yeah, I would say so. Emotionally explosive or don't talk about it at all. Yeah, like what is it? Stonewalling or whatever? Oh, I haven't heard so that like, term. That's more in like a relationship aspect, but. It was like, there was no way to say how you felt in a mature, calm way. It had to be an explosion or you couldn't talk about it at all. So it was very unpredictable and scary. So coming out of that, I was just confused. I feel like I had a lot of self-doubt, a ton of insecurity. So working through that and kind of like being the person that my inner child needed back then has been a big focus for me. And also like a lot of forgiveness because I don't want to walk around with anger for the way I grew up. It, it doesn't feel good. You know, let's talk about forgiveness. How have you done that? Because are people actually asking for forgiveness or are you just knowing that you need to give it without a, an apology? Without an apology. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever get an apology. I've, yeah. I've let that go. I went through years of anger, by the way, for anyone listening who's still there. Like, I get it. And it's a little bit like this. Like some days... When I have a milestone happen in my career and no one says anything to me, which happens every time I hit a milestone, those are the moments where I'm like, dang, this really sucks. Like this really hurts. And I still have those moments of anger. But in between, I care more about my well-being now than holding on to this anger. And being angry kind of festers in you. It, it affects everyone around you. It affects your day. It affects your career. So I don't want those people to like live in my head anymore. So forgiveness was kind of the only way for me to move on and feel okay. But then also doing the inner child work makes you realize that your parents are just kids too. You know, Mm -hmm. like they are doing, they did the best that they could given their circumstances. And I think realizing that has brought me a lot of peace as well. How did you actually forgive them? Like what were some things that you went through or maybe self-talk that you've had to do to forgive? I think the main piece was thinking, you know, they've been through hard things as well. They weren't given the same tools as I was. Maybe they weren't in therapy. They don't have the same knowledge that I have now. Even like just having conversations with the older generation, you can tell that they don't have the same intuition that we have and they don't have the same tools. They're not as comfortable speaking about their emotions. And I was like, imagine being trapped in your own head for that long like of course they're not comfortable supporting me or asking me how I feel they don't know how so I think talking myself through that therapy has been incredible everyone should do therapy agreed journaling about it and kind of also just like letting myself think time as well Mm -hmm. like I think a couple years ago I was nowhere near capable of forgiving someone and having this time where I'm developing my own family and creating my own goals and getting excited to have kids and break that generational trauma and start fresh and give them a healthy household where they can speak freely gives me a lot of peace. I hope that answers the question. Yeah. I recent I grew up in a very emotionally turbulent household and I recent I'm close with all of my family and both of my parents, but There's definitely a lot of issues there. And I recently went to therapy with my mom because we kept having the same argument over and over and over again. And what happened was her fault, but it was I couldn't let go of it. And so what I ended up realizing through therapy was that even though I I wanted nothing to do with the situation that had happened to me, I was very young. I wanted and I blamed her for a lot of it. And a lot of it was her fault as a mother. But I 
didn't ever want to fully forgive or let it go for whatever reason. I think part of me was just like, I have to live with this forever, even though I'm like healed and moved on. But like, I don't want you to be off the hook. And so in my head, but it was so like deep in my subconscious because I wouldn't have been able to tell you that. I would have just been like, I'm so angry Yeah. still. And what I realized too was that, you know, I would forgive at 17 and feel good about something. And then I turned 22. And like, as I got older, the more I was like processing it as an adult and seeing it in a different way. So then it was coming up again and again. And I was like, okay, I, I'm annoying me- myself at this <laughs> point. You know, like, I really, it's not like I have to get over it in like an unhealthy way or like minimizing the issues. But for whatever reason, it's like, I was almost like holding on to what happened because it was like some weird, like comfort. Addiction. Yeah, thing to me. And I couldn't let it go. Mm-hmm. And so we went to therapy finally after she'd been asking me in her defense for years. And so we went and it was like the best thing I ever did. And now I feel so much better. But it's even like I think about that all the time. It's like I can't wait to have like a healthy marriage and have a healthy family for my kids or even like I'm very I'm very involved in my niece's life. Like I am obsessed with her and it's like she's literally my entire life. And I'm like, I don't want to like continue to bring like animosity when she's like getting older and understanding things more now, like getting older it kept coming up and I was like, I really just have to get this over with now and like get over myself at the same time because I'm only hurting myself. Like it it is hurting my mom nowhere near what it's hurting me. And so I like forced myself, but I was just so almost like comfortable with where I was at in my misery regarding that like specific relationship that I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. It almost becomes a part of your identity, I think. And I had the same thing. I was replaying the situations over and over and over and also becoming like, this version of me in my head that was weak and had suffered and I felt bad for myself. And that doesn't get you anywhere. At all. I was sitting in my therapist's office and like my body and my mannerisms and the way I was talking, it was like I was 12 years old. It was crazy. Like I physically reverted back to being 12, but only when we were in that office and when we were there, we would leave and we would be talking like normal. But it was like, I was still 12. I'd never left. I'm 25 now. Like I had never left being 12 years old in that specific part of our relationship. So of course I was like, I was very unable and incapable of fixing it. Whereas in every other aspect of my life, I was like nowhere near 12. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've had the same experience. I think the reversing or regressing, is that what yeah, they call regressing. it, is so strange to have happen. But it happens to me all the time. The second I step into my childhood house, yes. I'm a different age. Yes. Straight up. Like I'm 17, 16. I speak weird. Like I don't know what I'm saying. It's it's the worst feeling. And I'm like really, really tired. Like yeah. I don't have the energy. Something about it just exhausts me. It, it's weird because it's like, you can do so much work and get so much better, but it's always, I think, at least for me, harder when it comes to my family or like the environment that obviously hurt you in the first place. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I hate who I am when I go, it's gotten better now because I live near my family. So it's, I've definitely been able to heal it a lot better. But even when I would go visit home a few years ago, I just hated who I was when I was there. And I was like, I've worked so hard to not be this. Like why? But I think like the, a lot of the real work too is like, being able to control your own life, even in that environment and your own emotions. Yeah. But it's, yeah, regression is like a very, very real thing. Yeah, I'm still dealing with it. I try to meet my family in neutral places because I find the house just still difficult. But as you just said, it is really empowering to be able to show up there and still be the new you, the mm-hmm. real you. I felt very popular recently because I posted a TikTok 
getting ready for Fort Worth, obviously my favorite place in the entire world. I was putting a little outfit together and I was wearing this one specific bra and all of the comments on this TikTok wasn't about my clothes. It wasn't about, you know, if my hair looked good or bad, you guys will let me know. No, it was literally all about the bra that I was wearing because everyone could tell it looked really comfortable, but it was also very flattering. And I feel like when people are wearing like an actual bra bra, not like a bralette or whatever, like, you know, it's good because it, it's just like hard to find the right one. And so when you're showing one off, when you love it, you just, you know, it's, it's the right one, right? So the bra that I was wearing is the third love 24 seven classic t-shirt bra. It makes your boobs look great. I have other ones from them that I love as well, but the most recent one I'm obsessed with is the classic t-shirt bra period. It is also supportive and comfortable and it won't show through your clothes. That is also huge. It has made millions of women and their boobs very happy. It's designed for your body and even comes in half cup sizes. So you always get a perfect fit. Macy even texted me the other day asking me about this bra because I guess a friend asked her about it. And I was like, oh my God, not only can I tell you, but I also have a code for y'all. So stay tuned. Okay. We all have had not honestly many experiences with bad bras. Sometimes they pinch. Sometimes they poke. The straps will slip. The cups like don't actually fit your boobs. Sometimes they're just like ugly and uncomfortable. And also sometimes they show through your clothes. And this just like ruins the outfit. It's not giving that like effortless. Oh my God, I just like rolled out of bed and I look like this vibe that I'm looking for. Like, no, you can see the bra and you don't look as like put together. And then the itchy tags, I literally hate all of it, okay? And my favorite third love bra, again, the 24-7 t-shirt bra that makes my boobs look amazing has solved all of those issues. It makes me feel like my clothes fit better and I just look so much better. I can't describe to you the confidence boost that it gives me. This is your everyday go-to bra. It forms to your body so your boobs always look their best. There's no slip straps that stay in place all day. It's supportive and comfortable and it comes in over 60 sizes. Guys, that's crazy. And half cups for your perfect fit. Most importantly, it is invisible under clothes so it works with every single outfit. I also get a lot of questions on like what bras I wear under like those tight bodysuits that I wear or the tank tops that I wear. This is the one. So ditch the bad bras and get a better one that makes you look and feel great. Upgrade your bra today and get 20% off your first order today at thirdlove.com slash I love you. That's 20% off your first order today at thirdlove.com slash I love you. I hope this is like doesn't come off like offensive. This is more so like me asking a question. Growing up in a turbulent household, I found that as I got older, even though I didn't realize it, like I had like limiting beliefs about myself or I was like, well, I, you know, my friends growing up had great families. Like why? And I have a great family, but like had really healthy families. Like why didn't I grow up in that? And it wasn't a jealousy thing. It was more so I had beliefs almost that I'm working through of like, maybe I'm not worthy of love or I'm not worthy of, you know, whatever it is. Have you found that's affected you? Of course. Okay. Of course. Good. I feel like less long. Not that I want you to feel that way, no, but I'm like, I'm not crazy. That's not offensive at all. Okay, good. Limiting beliefs are such, I literally just had a therapy session about it last week. We had a list of limiting beliefs. I'm not lovable. No one likes me. I'm not capable. These are things that I struggle with every single day. I was even telling my assistant on the drive here this morning, I'm trying this new exercise I learned from Mel Robbins, where you look for hearts everywhere you go. So it could be a leaf that's shaped like a heart. It could be a shadow. It could be a cloud because I need constant work to keep myself in a positive place where I'm encouraging myself and showing up confident. And Mel Robbins was speaking about changing your mindset and that being a useful tool. So I'm like, okay, I'm looking for hearts everywhere I go. So yeah, every single day I'm working on my limiting beliefs. 
How are you practically doing that? It's a good question. I think fit. I, I'm just going to default back to fitness. I still fitness is a big part of my life. And I think showing up for myself and keeping my own promises has been just huge for me. And that applies to work as well. If I tell myself I'm doing something, I'm doing it. Because if I don't show up, Same. you lose confidence in who you are. Do you know that Ed Milet quote? Which like one? Confidence is built by making promises to yourself and keeping them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love Ed. Me too. Obsessed. Obsessed with Ed. Love him. I, some people think he's too dramatic, but I just love it. He reminds me so much of my dad because my dad is like that, but he's very emotional. Like my dad is a crier. Yeah. So like when I listen to him and my dad is also obsessed with him. But when I listen to him, I'm like, this is literally my dad. I love, I love him. him. I, I love, love him. him. Do you know that the other day he had a quote in his podcast that was like, we are most powerfully positioned to serve those who we once were. Wow. I'm obsessed with that quote. I love that. Obsessed. But yeah, I think keeping my own promises and therapy yeah and literally just confronting them head on and being like yeah i have this belief that no one likes me and then we work through it and we count the stack of proof i have that people do like me so she'll my therapist will say well what about this time that you were invited here and you said no or what about this time mm -hmm. a lot of the time i feel like we actually like you were saying it's it's a comfort for us you know, yeah. so I'm really quick sometimes to write people off because in my head, I'm like, oh, they don't like me. It's fine. I knew that anyway. Mm -hmm. That's why they canceled on me tonight. It's fine. But I was ready for that. I knew. So just catching myself in those patterns and not falling into it and kind of a lot of self-talk, honestly. And I think filling in the blank obviously is a self-defense like mechanism, but it's also a weird control thing as well yes. where you have comfort in being like, filling in the blank where a lot of the time with like other people's thoughts or what you think they're saying or like projecting your own insecurities or your own weird thinking onto other people and it then it starts to go to worst case scenario and it is so difficult oh my god worst case scenario is like where my head lives yes. most of the time <laughs> so I really have to work on that what are tools that you use to like self-regulate your emotions so at the beginning of my BPD journey DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, was huge for me. So I would go to a group class and we had a DBT workbook that we would go through. And it's literally like holding ice in your hands because that gives you this like, I think it's specifically good for your nervous system. That's why we're all obsessed with cold plunges now. Holding ice is a better way of handling things than self-harm, obviously. So I did that for a while. There was other tools like going outside, going for a run, DBT is basically like making it very step by step of how to manage your emotions. You talk about radical acceptance and things of that nature. As I've continued, I've found things that really work for me. So they basically gave you a list of like 100 activities. And now I'm like, okay, working out is huge for me. Horse riding, huge for me. Cooking a healthy meal, connecting with people who I feel support me and love me huge so finding things that specifically work for me also getting off social media I know we all say that but this past weekend I deleted the app and I had the best weekend I didn't care what anyone else was doing I felt so much more present and in my day truly and happy with what I was doing and I just feel like my emotions are way less volatile when I'm not on social media I used to do that so regularly like once a month I would delete the app for like four to five days 
Wow. I would do it all the time. And I haven't done it since probably 2020. Maybe tw- I think the last time I did it would have been 2019. But I used to regularly do that. And I saw you posted about that today. And I was thinking like, I just ne- I need to do that. My friend JC doesn't even have the app. Well, she went off of social media, on, off Instagram for like six months. She doesn't even have the app on her actual phone. She has like a work phone that she uses. And I'm like, I don't want to have two phones. But like, I that's what I want. I'm like, I want to be less connected in that sense five days is a good length like yeah. I would love to do a five day but that's not realistic when like your job is online I you know? know so that was a lot of the issue but I want to start doing like at least one weekend a month because mm-hmm. you know what my theory is no one's really on their phone on the weekend anyway sure you know what no one's really checking and you know both of us do our work on the phone but we can be as successful during the week and posting everything we need to between Monday and Friday, I think. Mm-hmm. And also taking those two days, like you can get that. I find that I get my best ideas when I step away. Absolutely. So we're probably coming back better anyway. In college, there was this like teaching that we were given and I think about it all the time still. And it was like, the idea was holding everything with an open hand. So if you have your hand out and you're t- like holding on to your career, your relationships, a friendship, an idea, your future, whatever it is, when you're holding on to something too tightly, you're suffocating it. Mm. And so when you're able to like let things breathe a little bit, like so there is such thing as like working too hard to where you're not allowing it anything, the space to grow because you're so, I think a lot of it goes back to like limiting beliefs and a lot of like more of like a mental thing. But I found for myself, when I give things space to breathe, even if it's like just something as simple as like getting off Instagram for two days, it, I get the best ideas and things work out for me the best because then I'm in a better space. So everything that I'm posting is better, especially when like you are kind of like your job. When I'm not in a good space and I'm like posting stuff like and I'm in a weird mood, it's not good anyways. Yeah. So like deleting it is, is good. I also think work for me, we were talking about that comfort work for me is a comfort so if I'm freaking out I work my face off because I'm like oh this feels better than actually acknowledging what's happening Uh so we just zoom in so hard and we're not actually moving the needle we're not coming up with new ideas we're not moving along on a long-term basis I'm just obsessively checking off the to-do list because it feels good yeah same and then I'm suffocating it and then nothing's doing going well and it's like I'm sitting there like what am I doing you know what I mean and it's like a never-ending cycle yes so i'm gonna go back to deleting social media off my like once a month i'll do two days i'm joining you i might do it as a weekly thing honestly yeah honestly me too my life in texas though i will say is so much better than when i was in la my life here was just i was also a student so like every single hour was booked i had no time to do anything and then i had to do a lot of my work on the weekends but now that i'm in texas i have a way bigger divide and like most of my friends are not like influencers so like my weekends there are so normal and I'm really not on my phone as much mm. that it is already so helpful in that sense yeah. so I just need to to just do it it's nice to be around people whose lives don't revolve around social media yes. really nice that's the thing with LA it does get a bit toxic sometimes I think because everyone's talking about it it's like, oh did you see this oh did you see this Let's take a photo here. I try to leave LA every weekend as well. I've been yeah. down in Orange County. Even just getting that separation has been nice. My friends don't even know anything that's going on ever. Like if I tell them something, like if someone's getting canceled or there's something or whatever, they're like, who is that? Like they just don't know. And also I think, yes, it's nice to have people whose 
lives don't revolve around social media, but it's also nice to just have really good friends who have totally different career paths than you because that in itself is inspiring and just interesting. Like I like my relationships a lot better when we all have different interests because it just brings more to the table than us all doing the same thing. Totally. Not even in a competitive way, just like I'm interested in what you're doing and it's not the same thing over and over again. And I think it helps you gain perspective. Like I think sometimes it feels like we're, what we're doing is so intense and so, and yes, it's important and we're living out our purpose, but like, we'll be okay. You know, if we miss a post, we'll be okay. If we miss this, we'll be okay. And hearing from other people and getting the perspective of like, I don't know, it just helps. It helps you have a better outlook, I think. There's more to life. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to end off talking about if you want to make a life transformation. Yeah. Do you think someone should like sit there and plan it? Or should it be a day by day thing? Like what would your like more like practical tips be? So I can speak to the way I handled it. I did not have a plan. I just knew one foot in front of the other type of thing. Like I woke up and I was like, okay, today is the first day we're doing this. And it's not like I suddenly changed everything I was doing. I went on longer walks or I as I said, swapped out the muffin for the oatmeal and added the blueberries. It was nothing crazy, but I just knew I was moving in the right direction. And each day, just doing a little more, a little more, a little more, you would be shocked at where you are in a couple of months. And also not throwing in the towel after one bad day. That's so important. Like I knew in my head, I always say this, I knew I would get something good out of working hard every day. I didn't know what it would be, but I knew something good would happen. If you told me back then I'd be here right now, like with Bloom Nutrition, with the people I have in my life, with where I'm at, I wouldn't believe you. Like I simply wouldn't believe you. But it was literally that first day that got me here now, if that makes sense. So it was a little by little baby steps for me. I think that's so much less overwhelming too. Yeah. When you think about something in smaller steps, it just seems like, oh, I actually can do that one day at a time. Versus when it's like, this is my goal. It's just so much more overwhelming that way. I think if I said to myself, I'm going to lose 90 pounds, I would have been like, what the fuck? No way. There's no way that's happening. So I think for me, it was step by step. I love that. Okay, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. We're recording a podcast swap as well. So go listen to the other episode. And then where can they find you? You can find me at Mari Llewellyn, M-A-R-I-L-L-E-W-E-L-L-Y-N. And my podcast is The Pursuit of Wellness with Dear Media. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed. We recorded a swap. So there will be an episode on The Pursuit of Wellness as well. I loved this episode. I hope you guys did as well. If you did, send me a nice little DM, a nice little message. But what you liked, maybe what you didn't like, what you want to see on the show. I feel like we're all friends here, you know? Love you guys so much, and I will talk to you next Thursday. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.